Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to From the Ashes and welcome back to the international flavour episodes. As once again today, we go back to the United States. We go back to Ohio and I interview the other half of the Von England's tag team, currently absolutely taking over the American scene, Sydney Von England. Now, before we get into the interview itself and we talk about Sid's start in the business, Sid's journey through UBW and, of course, much like Eden, Sid's journey across the pond to the United States... A little bit of background I'm going to give very briefly. Sid was with UBW for several years, and we struck up a very good friendship bond, which we still have to this day. We still speak on a pretty much a daily basis. And there's an old uh, there's an old story, and I'm not, I'm not still not sure if it's actually a, um, an urban legend or not. But there's a story of the mid '90s where Shawn Michaels, when he was still a, a, a top mid card guy. Wanted to become the guy, top of the top of the tree, the main draw, the the main event, the top guy in in WWE. And the story is that the way that he did that was he walked into Vince's office, as as everyone knows, Vince has an office backstage at pretty much every show, uh, and and getting time with Vince is apparently very difficult. And the story goes that Sean walked into Vince's office unannounced, walked straight up to Vince's desk, put his hands on the desk, looked at Vince and said. What do I need to do to be the guy here? What do I need to do to be your guy, to be the guy that you give the chance to, give the ball to, to to be positioned as the main event, the top guy and the leader in this company? What do I have to do to be your guy, your number one? And the story goes that Vince stopped, looked up at Sean and said, you just did it. By coming in here and doing that, you've just done it. You've shown that you want it. Now, now, here's the ball. You go run with it. If you fumble, you're done. You've blown your chance. But if you run and you can score some touchdowns, well, we're in business. And, of course, it went from there. Sean then went on to becoming the arguably the one of the best performers of the 90s and probably the top two in the company along with Brett and right to the top in 96. And it was a very similar thing with Sid. We met up uh, of our lunch times because we worked quite close by to one another, and we would talk about ideas. We would talk about uh, creative ideas, not just for himself. And, and this was one thing that always struck me with him. When we would discuss ideas, it wouldn't be about ideas for himself all the time. It would be about ideas for others. What can we do with this person? How can we, how can we better utilize Robbie Boy? How can we better utilize Spike Valentine? What more can we do? for Ricky Calvay. How can we take these people to the next level? Here's an and it was always about other people. But he had that drive and he had that determination and he he kept coming at me with ideas and it wasn't all about him. It was quite selfless. And he then said to me one day, I want to be the guy. And I want to be the guy in UBW. And I'm going to show it to you. I'm not asking for you to give me that shot. I'm going to show it to you. Can I help at training? Sure you can. Okay. Can I uh, help with this this kind of organisational aspect? Can I help with this? Can I help with that? Yeah, of course you can. And he said, right, I'm going to show you that I mean business and I want this. And he went away and he started training at the gym, harder than he ever had done before. Dropped a ton of weight, got himself in shape, got his cardio up, got his body better. Was at training early every single time, was putting himself through all the same drills that he was putting the 
the trainees through and, and, and more. If, if you said to them to do 10 press-ups, he'd do 12. If he said to them do uh, this circuit, he would do it with three or four people when they were doing it once. And he put the effort in, and, and that was when I knew, okay, he needs the ball to run with. And we did it. He he was the main event for quite a while. He beat Tommy Kyle for the belt, had a very good run, and was the main heel in the company, and carried the company. And he led the locker room at the same time as well. He would always be out there doing the ring work. He would be kind of rallying people backstage. He would be rallying people to be doing the flyering, the postering, the, the social media. He put the effort in. And this is what I say to other people. I don't care how good you are as a technical wrestler or not. I don't care how good you are as a high flyer, aerialist, acrobat, gymnast or not. I don't even care how great of an overall wrestler you are. Of course I do care in terms of it needs to be important. It needs to be an aspect. It needs to be part of the package. But it's about the other things. It's about the the bits and pieces that make up the whole. And it's about the effort that people put in. And it's about the attitude that people come to me with. If you show me you're willing, you come to training, you, you try and help other people out, you make social media work done you you do viral media all these things that gives me something that I can work with as a promoter that I can book I can promote I can market I can brand that's what makes the difference that's what if you want to get to the top that's what a promoter wants and he did exactly that and now he's out in the states well, like I said we speak daily and he's he's really kind of found himself a lot more now, and he's really kind of turned a few things around, and I think he's in the best place that he's ever been. I'm really excited to see what the next twelve months is going to be, because anyone out there in the states that's listening to this, that's booking Sid, you have an incredible talent on your hands, not just as a wrestler, because he is a fantastic wrestler, whether that's technical wrestling, world of sports style, lucha style, anything at all. He's very good at all of it. But you also have someone that has the attitude, has the determination, and has the right approach that you can use and utilize for a long time. So I'm very hopeful that people will pick up on that. And I think if they do, his future is going to be very bright. That aside, Eden's carving um, their own path. The Von England's tag team themselves... Tremendous amount of potential, and and it, they're starting to break through those those promotions, and they're starting to show people what they can do. You've got two very strong elements there coming together and working together and willing to work together. Realistically, given the chance and given that ball to run with, you've got a pair there that can score a touchdown every single time. So, fingers crossed, 2021 and 2022 uh, are going to be the year of the Von Englands. We're going to get on with the podcast now. It's enough of me talking. This is a real good chat we do. This is two friends just chewing the fat, talking about the past, talking about how we got to where we are. Um, And you've got someone that's very, very down to earth, which is what you're always going to get with Sid. So sit back and enjoy it and uh, make sure you like and subscribe and follow the podcast. And uh, I'll catch you down the line.
welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to From the Ashes. This is going to be a very special podcast because this is not only my second international flavoured episode, but it's the remaining half of the puzzle, the jigsaw that is the Von Englands. It is Mr. Sidney Von England, formerly known as Sidney James, one time UBW British champion. Apart from all that, a friend of mine. So welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. I was going to come with an American accent for the intro, but um, probably best not to. You've already had uh, Skip on the podcast, and he does, yeah. his, he does his best. You know, it, it's such a British thing that, that whenever you start a podcast, and the starting of the podcast is always the worst part, but oh, it's yeah. such a British thing that people always go, pause, hello, yeah. <laughs> and it's just so understated oh, and polite. Yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you finish, I'll let you finish, it's fine. Yeah, don't, don't, don't let me over-talk you. Yeah. Fantastic. Right, so... <laughs> Now we got a lot to get into, my friend. It's uh, oh, no. it's a big journey to go over. So um, I think this is going to be interesting as well because there's not just professional in this; there's personal as well. And I think mm. you and I, over the couple of years, have been closer than me and a lot of other talents have been. Mm. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic. But uh, we'll go through that journey, and I think it's going to be enjoyable. Let's do it. So let's go right back to the beginning before the dinosaurs. Yep. When you first come along to UBW, you'd already been around training elsewhere. You'd already been doing some work. Uh, you'd been done some stuff for Progress Wrestling before that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was interesting because when you first came along, um, I wasn't very keen on you as a, as, a, as a wrestler at the time. And we've spoken about this, so this is yeah. no shock to you, I'd hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, because you were very much a kind of uh, indie mindset and... Um, very different to what we were doing as a product at UBW. Yeah. And, and at first I was like, nah, I, just, I don't think he's got the same kind of vision. But then as I got to know you, I realized, no, no, this, this, this guy's got his head really screwed on, really smart about the wrestling business. Um, but of course, like I say, at first it was very different. So talk to me a bit about when you first started out. So how you got into wrestling in the first place. Yeah. Because like I always say to everyone, it's a weird hobby to take up. Yeah, and your journey sure. before you got into the terms of UBW and meeting me. Yeah, yeah. So, for, I mean, uh, it's a similar story to so many people, right? A lifelong wrestling fan. Um, so, um, most people who know me know my favorite wrestler as a kid was Hardcore Holly. Um, and me and my younger brother would, would emulate the Holly cousins and blah, blah, blah. And Brett and Owen when we were a bit younger. But, you know, Bob and Crash are that much better than the hearts. Um <laughs> We got, when I was about 14, 15, there was like two other kids in school who, uh, who loved wrestling as much as I did. Um, we'd watch pay-per-views together. We watched um, Flair versus Michaels, and we decided when we were what, 14, 15, yeah, let's, let's go take up training. So we looked up schools in the area, Enfield, Enfield uh, LDN Wrestling, um, I think it was Enfield or Edmonton, and there was this, this guy called Paul Ash training there. And I was like, oh, I know him because I watch the wrestling channel. Um, I watch TNA 2002 and 3 and 4 and Ring of Honor and FWA. Um, that's the cool wrestling I like. And they decided to never go to wrestling training. Fast forward about six years and I watched British Boot Camp, uh, TNA British Boot Camp, uh, where Rockstar Spud, uh, Drake Maverick wins. And I think, man, this is a guy who I've been watching since I was way younger, right? Watching the wrestling channel. I'm like, this guy, he's the guy who never should have made it. And there he is making it. I was like, ah, fuck it. Uh, and then that week, I went to wrestling training. Um, I actually went down to Kent, uh, IPW UK, um, 
was the first place I went. I didn't drive three hours on the train to, to uh, Swanley. Uh, went there and it was like a, an advanced or intermediate session. So there's me turning up, you know, blue-eyed, bushy-tail, like, oh, hello. Uh, and everyone there's, you know, kind of wanting to fob me off, which is fair enough, this fucking... This little trainee comes along. Oh, hello! Can you teach me wrestling? And I, you know, they had uh, some of the some of the old names from ten ten years ago. Devil Man was there helping me bump. Uh, Ashley Reed, you know, these are you know, this names is a mid two thousands roll call. This is exactly um, helping me learn to bump. Uh, and the coach at the time said, you know, you could probably get to Brixton a little bit easier than getting here. Uh, and they were on the same kind of days as I said, beginner classes. So, okay, cool. So I started going to these beginner sessions. Uh, this is like January, December 2012, January 2013. Start going to these uh, sessions at the Projo, Progress Wrestling School, uh, on Thursdays, um, which was in a an archway under a, a rail station in the freezing cold winter. So we had a fire pit and a wrestling ring, uh, and we did we did drills, 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 drills. Uh, drills, 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 and it was great. There was like a, there was a group of four of us, um, and of the four that were in that Thursday group, I'm still the only one wrestling. But the there was a Thursday group and a Saturday group, and in the Saturday group, um, the people that are still wrestling are guys like uh, Chuck Mambo, is still going, uh, Damon Moser, and he's he's in between, but um, William Eva, who I know you've known for a while anyway. Yep. So that's the kind of group that I was with um fast forward to about September I've had my first match if you can call it a match I got flattened by a guy who's left wrestling to be a professional rugby player um came to UBW uh after meeting Josh Casey Danger Sterling Baxter whatever his gimmick name is through the ages Jimbo at one point I'm sure um says hey you do realize there's a school that's you know, a 10-minute drive from where you live. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. Uh, and the first session I came to, you weren't there. Uh, it was it was Skip and Cruise. And the only thing I remember from that session is everyone sat down in a circle, cutting promos on each other. And I was like, ah, this is pretty fun. Uh, and then kind of as time went on, wrestled a little more at Progress, uh, did a few more matches. And I got, I got uh, concussed real bad at Progress. So mm-hmm. I took some... I took some active time off. So I came to UBW. I didn't wrestle a match from April 2014 to like uh, technically until like December 2016 when I when I uh, wrestled um, Meatball in a two in what was supposed to be a two minute match, um, and it wasn't. Uh, and I kind of came to UBW a bit, and yeah, you're right. I I had this mentality of being like a wrestler's wrestler. You know, I, I watched World of Sport and, you know, my favorite wrestlers were Dean Malenko. This still, you know, my favorite wrestlers at the time were Dean Malenko, William Regal to study, and I just wanted to be this crisp technical wrestler. And and I kind of was like, you know, I want to make that like, there was a kind of disconnect. I'm like, oh no, I want to be doing this while being this unlikable kind of yeah self-righteous character. And I think there was a, bit of a disconnect where you were kind of like, you're focusing too much on this uh, and not enough on the character side of things. And you know, character is what's going to make make you money, make you fans, mm. as far as what we do. Excuse me. Um, 
so then fast forward like another six months, me and me and Chris, uh, my best friend, um, decide, okay, let's go whole ham into this character thing. And we had this, this tag team fun house where we do wacky, wacky, bizarre stuff. Um, we're just, we're just trying to have fun wrestling. Um, then it's all kind of a blur between uh, poor Chris uh, showing someone how to reverse a headlock and having his leg popped out of socket around the same time that Lola had both her legs popped out of socket and Hugo Bloom had his leg popped out of socket all of them in the space of a few weeks. Um, Hugo That's quite does, a time. Yeah, Hugo spends three months doing a John Cena recovery and is back doing squats and deadlifts in record time. Um Lola's back at some point two years later and middling Chris decides to come back and, you know, take some time off and focus on football, focus on his education. He went off to get education. Um, during that kind of time, I was kind of middling because uh, I was a tag team wrestler. And again, like I'd only managed to find this character of being a tag wrestler. Um, but I'm kind of at this point, I've been wrestling for, I've been training for about four years, four or five years. And I still only had maybe five matches right it's five mm-hmm. tag matches but i kind of take on a bit of like a mentorship role to some of the some of the trainees you know um calvay ricky calvay evan flow at the time it's kind of kind of looking for something to, to inspire a spark you know and i was kind of just showing him little little bits uh, end up wrestling him in this uh no disqualification match which is my first singles match i ever had uh really in not including squash matches um and I had this hardcore match with with Calvay. We beat the tar of each other, and I, I hear a little a little light bulb lights above your head. You go, "Oh, <laughs> I've just realised what what he can do." Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of where then everything started to change. That's my beginning, yeah. my uh, my origin story, if you will. So was that that was a fallout match? Yeah, that's right. Was that honestly your first proper singles? Very first. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's I didn't know. I didn't actually realize. You may have told me, but I've got a lot of concussions yeah. <laughs> under my belt. Oh yeah, but that's quite crazy. That's that is, yeah, that is interesting because I remember it was around about that time you were working day job in the same town as me, mm. and I, I remember being in town and kind of seeing you there and oh, we should catch up for lunch every now and then, and we did. Yeah, and I always liken it to you know the famous story about how Shawn Michaels first got his run as a singles worker. Do you understand? Go on. No, no, no. Tell me. So he was, this was, must have been about, I guess, 93 time, 94. Mm. And he was kind of, like you say, middling, same kind of thing. And he knew he could be more, wanted to be more. And the story goes that he went and just walked straight into Vince's office, walked straight up to his desk, put his hands on the desk, looked Vince in his eyes, and went, what do I have to do to be your guy. What do I have to do to have Brett's spot? What do I have to do to be the guy you shape the company around? And the story has it that Vince looked at him and went, you just did it. Yeah. Here's your chance. Here's a ball. Go run with it. And from there, that then led to the 94 build with the ladder match and the, the face turn and the build from then, the build, 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 build towards the title. You did the exact same thing. Because in that time that we were meeting up for lunch and we'd, we'd sit and catch up over things and we'd talk about ideas, because you had a lot of really good, really creative ideas. And unlike most people, you had ideas for other people. Mm. You would come to me and say, 
I've got an idea for, for Calvay. I've got an idea for memes. I've got an idea for Crowley. And most of your ideas were for others. And that's so rare because no, the most common thing I get people come to me and go, oh, I've got a good idea about how I can be the champion. Yeah. You didn't do that. <laughs> you were building yeah. others. So straight away I thought, okay, I can put some trust in you. But then you actually said to me one day, I want to be your guy. I want to be mm. the top guy and I'm going to show you. And then you were in the gym twice a day, every day, posting gym selfies, showing your progress. You said, let me take on some of the trainees at training. Let me be like a, a deputy and, and work with them on stuff. Let me train them up, which you did. And you were training people up at, at the school. And you were doing all the stuff to show how much you wanted it. And mm. for me, that showed, okay, he's got the willing. Now, if he can do this for a while and stick with it um, and keep consistent with it, then we've got something. And you did. And you were always doing the right things at shows. You were doing the best on the matches possible. You were putting other people over. You were doing the hard work. And that was when I said, well, okay, if we can get you a good heel character that people can buy into, and they either really believe in the character or they just simply they just want to boo you because they don't like you, that's good enough. Mm. We've got a winner on our hands. Mm. And, and you did. You started being this dick. You were just... Uh, yeah. a dick to people you were annoying you were um stealing wins from people you were doing all the right stuff to get negatively disliked and then and, i did it in the ring as well and you did it in the ring as well <laughs> <laughs> but the, the best example of it is you know one of our number one fans eloise who's i suppose she must be about i say she's about 10 but we've been in coronavirus for so long yeah. she's probably about 25 now yeah yeah um, she would come. She would always come to shows with signs for for memes because she loved memes, or signs for uh, Crowley because she loved Crowley. Right. She made signs about how much she disliked you. Yeah. And she would hold, and that shows that you've engaged with people. And that was when yeah. I thought, okay, we've we've got them. He's the next guy to be the next heel champion. And you 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 did you you got to the uh, you did the Money in the Bank was the opportunity we did, didn't we? Mm. Yeah, to- totally revolutionary idea of ours. We didn't take it from anybody else. Yes, never, never heard before. Never heard before. Um, and you slunk in and stole the title and yeah. started your heel run as champion. And you also then said, right, I'm, I'm not only going to be the champion, I'm going to be a champion. I'm going to be a locker room leader. I'm going to take this. I'm going to always be the one trying to get to the ring. I'm going to be the one that's uh, taking training, that's leading training sessions and stuff. You still kept up with it. And it was that that really solidified you. And I think that was your biggest turning point for you in terms of really kind of clicking and getting it and the building who you were. For sure. Um, and I think it led to a lot of opportunities from there. Um, and, and then it, it kind of branched out. So after that, um, one thing we always struggled with was while you were a great character, you did have a gimmick. And it was it was one of the bigger challenges to, to sometimes to get you to connect. And I think a lot there was more than one occasion, and we had a similar thing with Tommy Kyle, that you were kind of circling the runway. That's a very good pun when it comes to him. <laughs> yeah, unintentional, but it works quite yeah. well. Um, but you've always been very consistent with your in-ring work, and it's always been just finding that right slot. But you've always been someone that can slot in and out of things very easily. Yeah. Um, but I think once we got to the point where you were kind of being known as that guy that we could slot into anything and you could just step into a match. You could step into any situation and, and, and be a false in there and be a, a linchpin in there. That's when I think you really started developing and learning the most. Mm. And 
you were by by putting yourself forward and also by my choice as well, um, one of the people to help Eden really start finding her feet and getting up to speed. And I think working with Eden was a benefit to both of you massively. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where obviously we, uh, we, we now spend every day and in terms of like development, we're the closest. Um, the, the, only, the only real struggle you have with, with that kind of thing that I found is when you spend so much time with someone, your ideas become the same. Um, so yeah. starting out, it was great. You know, we'd have we'd be able to put ideas together and contrast and and develop these different ideas together. But we we spend so much time together now that it becomes one of those difficult things where our ideas are always the same, and you know, we just oh, should I do this? Yep, that sounds right. Um, <laughs> the, which is um, again one of the one of the reasons I like working with different people and work like working with the the newer people at the time, you know, uh, which was like Calvay, Robbie Boy, uh, and all those guys, is because they had a different idea of what wrestling should be, and the the balance, the tipping point between my ideas and their ideas hadn't hadn't balanced out yet. So with uh, with Eden, it was really good to kind of be be working so close together. We'd work together. Um, and just we developed these kind of characters together of, of who we wanted to be, and it was you know Eden. Eden has like a as well as being like an incredibly intelligent scientist, has like a background in theatre. Mm. Uh, is a very charismatic, showy kind of person. Um, and again, I was I'm very much like that. Uh, and like a- anyone who knows me from from back home or from here knows how how loud, how abrasive I guess I can be. Um, just as a person, how outspoken, and translating that into uh, kind of definable characters, along with you know, when Eden realised, oh, I can, I can do that, but I can, I can do that more. It made me go, oh, well, I need to do that more than you're doing my more, and it, it's good that we've kind of got this, you know. Again, Eden is like former varsity sports star as well, so. We're both very competitive, so we're both trying to outdo each other. So it's got to the point where we have the same ideas, but now we're trying to do the ideas better than one another, um, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, but another thing as well, and, and just thinking about this, as you, was, you were saying there, maybe you don't realise this, or maybe you've never given yourself the credit for it. You've actually been responsible for quite a few people breaking through a barrier because you were the one that was convincing me about giving Robbie Boy a real heavy shot. And mm. I never I was never against it. Never ever against it. But it was just the things never lined up at the time. Mm. It was either bad timing for him or bad timing for me or bad timing for, for anything else. But you were the one that was kind of saying, look, you know, you, you need to take a closer look at him. And and the more I did, I focused on him really hard in training after that point. And very quickly I could see like, do you know what? He's so much better than he gives himself credit. Yeah, for sure. And much better than I'm giving him credit. And that then led to him having an absolutely main, main run um, before he he deserted us all and went away to Italy. But he was one of the best things on the show. I mean, I I wouldn't have come out of semi-retirement and done a match with most people, but with him, didn't hesitate. Mm. Um, Calvay as well. I think you helped him evolve so much by working with him that he found his own feet. He found who he needed to be. And I think yeah. that only comes with confidence of working with people. And you were the one person that he was working with the most. 
And I think that really helped him form his confidence to be who he was. Uh, And then Eden as well. I think you helped Eden graduate up enormously um, just by knocking the lumps out of each other. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think, I don't know if you've ever thought of that, but you're actually very responsible for a lot of other people's success. It's a a weird thought. There's a a guy um, here in America who I have so much respect for, uh, Derek, Derek Dillinger. Um, He kind of has that exact same mentality of me of, he he's done quite a bit in wrestling. He's very, very, very good at what he does. Um, but he he just wants to make sure the next generation come through and be the best version of themselves. You know, he there's there's um one thing that will always stick with me about Derek is one of the shows we did very recently. Uh, one of his kind of trainees, proteges, who he, he puts a lot of time into, they made like their their main show debut. Uh, it was kind of a big deal. This, Derek was waiting behind the curtain watching the whole thing. The second the second the guy came through, Derek wrapped his arms around him, told him how proud he was of him. And I was like, that's that's the kind of wrestler I want to be. Is mm. is that is that. That's the kind of person I want to be. Um, so I think it's nice to know to think about, yeah, like I've definitely been I've played a part in some of these people's success, but you know, when I see Derek, I'm like, man, I wish I could be more like him. So. Yeah, I understand that. But yeah, I think you're much like me. You maybe don't give yourself enough credit with things. Um, maybe. You've definitely been a big factor in a lot of people's success and growth. Definitely. Time to be part of more people's. Yeah. You'll see, you'll see a bunch of top wrist locks uh, coming out <laughs> of uh, Cleveland soon. So, good good, uh, good uh, segue there. Um, obviously, a big step. Big, enormous, life-changing step. Up in sticks. Not the rest of the sticks, but up in sticks putting everything in a suitcase and moving to the other side of the world, moving to Ohio and starting a completely new life out there with Eden yeah. and new culture, new environment, new scene, big, big step to do. Yeah. How, how was both the decision process to say, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to completely switch my life around. And how has it been? Cause obviously we talk every day at the moment and I, and I mm. think me and you talk even more often now than when you were here. Yeah. Um, so I, I get the inside track on it, but just for the people that are listening, give us a bit of a, an idea of what that decision process was like and, and what it's been like since you've been there. Yeah, so I'm not sure how much of the story Eden's already told, but so back in, I want to say the summer of 2019, this kind of idea of of moving to Cleveland, Eden being given this amazing opportunity, we'll edit that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll do the whole thing. So go go again with the lead lead with uh, yeah. Eden. Yeah. So like yeah, summer 2019, Eden given this kind of potential opportunity. Kind of laughed it off a little bit of like, oh okay, there's you know, there's no way this person wants me to move across the world to pay me to pay me money to come do come do my thing for them. Mm. We kind of this was summer, and then by winter, you know, we kind of put a little bit of thought into it. We were, you know, the. Uh, the leader of this lab message was like, Hey, do you want to come over? Like, this is a thing we can do. Um, so I was like, cool, we're going to move over summer 2020. We're going to get this start. I was like, I'm ready to do this. This is, you know, wrestling's wrestling's kind of important to me at the time. I was kind of like, okay, my, my day jobs not giving me satisfaction. I need to find something I want to do. Uh, so winter 2019, I quit the job I've been working at for 10 years uh, and I said, cool, it's fine. What I'll do is I'll spend the next six months working hard, eating well, going to get in great shape, come to America, find a job, 
I'll be in great shape for wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Then about three months later, everyone knows what happened, COVID, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we keep looking, oh, maybe we can come now. Uh, the whole time we're thinking, man, you know, we just want to get there. Um, we just want to get moved over and COVID's looking worse and worse. And, you know, you can't walk outside without an outdoors license at this point. And, um, you know, at this point we've, you know, wrestling's not happening in the UK. I'm questioning, you know, by, by March, 2020, I'd, I dropped down to like 178 pounds. I was in the best shape I've ever been in. I was really hungry for wrestling. You know, I was starting to take more bookings on getting traction in the UK. And I had this kind of goal of like, oh, you know, I'm going to get wherever I can in the UK. I'm going to go out with a bang, America. And then everyone fizzled out because of COVID. Finally got over here uh, in January of this year. Um, And at this point, yeah, I'd not been, you know, I'd not been wrestling for nine months. I was in terrible Mm. shape. My eating habits were awful. Um, I have no job out here because of so many reasons. Um, I've started a degree to do something in the downtime. Um, so Eden gets here, has this kind of fulfilling career opportunity, is busy with work, and I'm like, well, what do I do? So we come to AIW Academy. Everyone here is, you know, the most welcoming people they can be. Yeah, I've made friends with so many people. Um, I'm sure I can put them over at some point during the rest of this episode. But for me, I was like, oh, man, you know, maybe not cut to be a wrestler. Wrestled a handful of matches February. Um, everyone was really happy with everything. I was like, well, okay, it's time to go. So for me now, the big, the big thing is, uh, you know, the last few weeks we've been doing three day weekends, thousand mile round trips and stuff, uh, 2000 mile round trips, I should say. And I'm thinking, man, this is, you know, this is kind of where I want to be. This is what I want to do. So for me, I'm the culture, the culture shock is, has worn off, you know, wrestling's universal. Uh, who knows? In five years, maybe I'll go break India and train with the great Carly. We'll see. <laughs> There's a goal for you. Yeah. Yeah. But how's the culture like the, the transition to it been in terms of the, the wrestling scene? Because don't get me wrong, wrestling is similar the world over, mm. but things are different. And the UK's it's got a certain flavor to it. I yeah. imagine the States are quite different. How's that been? Have you found it easy to, to slip into? Is, is it been... Uh, difficult, or how have you been received by the so, Americans? We've definitely got new toy syndrome. Everyone kind of, you know, we're 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 both very different and very exciting. And you know, like I said earlier, I have a very I'm a big world of sport fan. You know, I'm, I'm probably more of a traditional grappler, but at the same time, you know, I'm British. I love Mr. Bean, so I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm more than happy to 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 make an idiot of myself. And, you know, finding a flavor in between is great. Whereas Eden, Eden is also very happy to be made a fool of, but also is more of a defined badass mm. than I am. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the style, you know, American, American indie style tends to be quite fast paced. When I came over, I didn't have the gas tank to do medium paced. So um, the style is, is very easy to adapt to. And, you know, I'm, I can bring things down whenever I want. I can pop a hole in someone, bring them down. And that that's great. Um, but the biggest wrestling culture shock is, is there's kind of a language barrier within wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I'm, when I, you know, try to, to show people a few different things and talk through things and, you know, 
an arm ringer here is a, a wrist lock in the UK and all kinds of different weird things. Um, in terms of the the wrestling culture, the locker room culture, wrestlers are wrestlers are dumb idiots backstage. You know, wrestlers are fun loving, wacky, weird characters. You'll get them everywhere you go. Um, being backstage at every locker room here is like being backstage at any locker room in the UK. Everyone mm. wants to have a good time. Um, and everywhere I've been, everyone wants to put on a, a great, a great show. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, all you can hope for. Yeah. It's, it's a camaraderie and you, mm. you, you know that even if there's someone in a locker room that you particularly don't like, or you don't even ever speak to, you know that if something happened and your physical condition was in trouble, they would be there next to you straight away. Cause yeah. it's that kind of brotherhood, sisterhood thing that's always been there. But yeah, a good locker room is everyone working towards the same goal and everyone wants to exactly. make that show succeed, that company succeed, or even just that match succeed. Exactly. Uh, it's good to hear that. Um, I, you know, I don't, I didn't expect it to be any different, but it is still, it's still good to hear. And it's, right. it's nice to know. Um, so one thing I will say is um, the, the, the variety of people I've met on the, or in the country is is so bizarre to me. You know, I've I've hung up with Hornswoggle a couple of times, uh, Wildfire Tommy Rich, Chase Stevens said, hey, if we need a place to stay, we can stay in this hotel room. It's just this real... I, I forget that the UK is a territory and that mm. at the end of the day, I probably know every UK wrestler there is that's worth something. Yeah. But when you think about the territory system in the US, you will have anyone and everyone work random territories, you know? Um so I forget how accessible everyone is, you know. Yeah. Uh, depending on where this air, when this airs, I've either a couple of weeks ago been on a show with the the Major Brothers as well, you know. Yeah, I saw uh, that advertised. Yeah. So there's a, it's it's such a different world in that respect, you know. Mm. Um, it's not like in the UK where if you want to be on a show with Tatanka, it's you know Southside. It's the only place that will book Tatanka just for a yeah. random one-off show against uh, RJ. Once every um, couple of years. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, that is a cool thing. I mean, I've seen a lot of the posters that you've shared, and I, I keep my eyes on what's going on. And you see all of a sudden, like you say, people like the Major Brothers or Hornswoggle pop up on a on a poster, and you kind mm. of sit and go, yeah, you're sharing a locker room with these people, these people that are movers and shakers, or they're, they're people that have forged um, big, definable paths in their careers in the wrestling landscape. And it's very cool, and these are great people to – sit under a learning tree with mm. or get advice from or just to be around. And it's, I think that helps from what I've seen. I think that helps add to the, uh, the camaraderie thing in terms of the United States, because whereas with here, when we get impulse, there's a defined barrier in terms of superstar and local star. Mm, and I'm sure that's pre- present there as well, but I think it's a very different barrier in the sense of, yeah, these people are famous, but they're not like, you know, a completely different level above everyone else on the show, which is quite often the case here. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Eddie Kingston main events, AEW TV, uh, and we were just sat down talking about how he can't sleep on plane rides because he has sleep apnea. And I was sharing my uh, my various tips for dealing with sleep apnea with him, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, if you get some big name US import on a UK show, they might not necessarily give you the time of day to even have that a conversation full stop. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. They're just like you and me, celebrities. You know, yeah, 
It's good to hear because I mean, back in the FWA days, they were act- the, the stars were actively kept away from us lower, wow, lower people. You know, we weren't allowed to intermix with them. We weren't allowed to uh, get involved with them unless we were working with them. Um, and it's nice to know that that kind of thing isn't happening. That you can be in a locker room with Eddie Kingston or Tommy Rich, mm. and you can just go over and chat with them. Exactly. You, you get that sometimes uh, over here, and it's nice when it does happen. But it's good to hear that you're getting that and. Like I was, I was saying to Eden, these are all connections, and these are all uh, contacts that you're making. And you never know; you can make an impression with this one person, and then you'll get a call and say, "Hey, I've got a booking for you in a couple of weeks' time. It's seven hundred and fifteen hour drive, but still, <laughs> make it here." Um, and all of a sudden, you've broken into a new territory. You've made a new contact. You're rubbing shoulders with different people. Well, funny story uh, about great. that actually is uh, did a show in in uh, Indiana on the Saturday just gone. Um, one of the guys on the show messaged me yesterday and said, hey, are you free on October 2nd? I might have a show in Illinois. Illinois is somewhere we've not worked yet, and that's mm. potentially, um, it's not been announced, so uh, it could be a little uh, spoilerino for the hey, uh, people listening. If you get it, you know what you have to do? You have to get in the ring, grab the mic, and call out CM Punk. It's true. You have and to say I've... to him, you have to go, actually a week beforehand, you put a post up saying, I'm going to be in your backyard, CM Punk, if you don't come out, you're a coward. Yeah. I'm sure he'll respond. He will. <laughs> I'm sure he will. Uh, how's it been in terms of uh, bringing the British style over there? Because I know America does a lot of the British style and lots of people do variations of it. Um, have you been showing them how to do it properly? And how's that gone down? So there is kind of a level of excitement for people when they first, you know, people who who do more technical wrestling, when they realize what I sound like, when they meet me, they're like, oh, you're actually from England. Because a lot of people expect <laughs> to be a gimmick. So... Often I'll turn up to a show and I'll, I'll I'll talk hello how are you doing but I'll drop into backstage I'll just I'll just drop into this accent for a while and I'm like wait a minute I thought you're from Britain I'm like no 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 British people don't, aren't real you know British people don't exist okay it's just a gimmick brother and uh, I can hold for a while so I can I can convincingly talk like this people believe it um, but yes technical wrestlers kind of get excited um, so mm. uh, wrestled a guy called uh, Brandon Williams Locksmith who is really, really quite good. He was like, hey, I've been watching a bunch of Johnny Saint ready for this match. He's like, let's let's do some cool, cool, fun stuff. And he he wanted to get in the ring beforehand. He's like, hey, can we just run some stuff? Um, so there's there's an appreciation for it from a bunch of people, for sure. Um, and, you know, I've, I've shown a few people a, diff- a few different things and, you know, not to, not to toot my own horn, I'm, I'm anything special, of course, but there is, there is, like I say, that level of excitement and interest and intrigue of all. Maybe this guy knows how to work. You know, we do these um, we do these UWFI kind of matches now, and I've, I've mm-hmm. done a handful. And you know, part of my my early training is a little bit of grappling. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm I'm a shooter. You know, it's the whole thing of same same as William Regal, right? Everyone thinks he's this tough guy shooter because of where he came from and how he brought it up, and he just mm-hmm. didn't tell anyone he wasn't. So uh, this Absolutely. is not me telling anyone I'm not. By the way, I, I definitely am a shooter. Don't get in the ring with me. I will I will uh, tap you out. Yeah, he's, he's lethal, this guy. Lethal. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, the British style translates over. It's people, there's different fans, obviously, that that, that will appreciate it and some that don't. Um, you know, I, I wrestled uh, one match for AIW uh, and I'm using the ropes and and uh, the ring apron for as for an advantage. People mm. are shocked. You know, they've never, they've never mm. thought of this before. I'm like, well, why not? It's there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean, I noticed I was watching one of your videos the other day, and I, 
you were working and you got somebody down to the ground and I, I noticed you do the uh, escaping aside headlock by head standing over their body. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I taught you that. Yeah, definitely. It's one of your one of your favorite things. There's, there's one two of my favorite. Yeah. Two things I think of when I think of you is the headstand escape and the um, the double wrist lock takeover with the uh, with the knee in the gut back. Oh yeah, roll. yeah. That's yeah. that's the, that's the Paul Ash special. That one. <laughs> but I saw that and there was a little bit of pride in me going, "Oh, he's doing something I showed him over yep. there." It was a bit of pride of that, but yeah, it's good because it's, these are a lot of things that they're forgotten things, and mm. I think a lot of the people that you work with in the the UK. Not, not just me, but you know, people like RJ or Doug or anybody that's doing seminars, it's still fresh for them or it's kind of their fundamental stuff. Exactly. And it necessarily hasn't been picked up by uh, anyone else where in the world that's emulating the style because they've seen what they've seen. They've seen what Cabana does or they've seen what Quackenbush does, which is fantastic, but it's a subset. Exactly. So that's the whole thing is the American guys that do it, they've seen – five or six things that they want to take and they do those yeah. five or six things, right? But for these guys who have been wrestling 20 years who were trained by the guys that have done it or trained by the guys mm. that have trained, been trained by the guys that have done it that way around. <laughs> that that way around. To them, it's just, oh, this is just what we learned in training. This is just that and the other. Yeah, um, yeah like, I mean, I've done I've done seminars with uh, like McGuinness, who obviously was, was like HWA trained, but even he mm. has a bunch of different interesting stuff. Um, and Doug, who again has different interesting stuff, it's uh, it's one of these things where I'm torn between. I'd like to, I'd like to be using this stuff because it's cool and different. But I'm worried that if I don't use it <laughs> in front of a big enough crowd, someone might take it and uh, make money off of it that isn't, you know, and not, and not pay their reparations to me. So. It's always difficult because, like you say, there's always that risk with it as well. And you've also got to make sure you do it well. Yes, because a million and one people can do it. But, you know, there's, there's thousands of people that use the DDT, but there's only Jake's DDT. Right. And one there's, thing Regal always said, and he said so many people do World of Sports style, but none of them do it right. Exactly. Loads of people do um, the Russ Abbott. They don't necessarily do it the right way. Loads of people do Johnny Saint spots. They don't do them properly. Even Brian Danielson, who's one of the best at doing them, doesn't do it as good as Johnny did. No. And he's, he's a good tribute, but... There's a lot of people that do it, and you, you, you used to see it a lot with a lot of the uh, uh, Chikara guys. They do very good spots, but you could see the light in it. You could go, mm, yeah, okay, it's a tribute. It's a cosplay. It's not exactly. the same thing. So you've got to have it to a very good level if you're going to do it. There's um, there's one guy here uh, who I spend a lot of time with at training, and we roll around, and he loves, he loves wrestling, uh, Mikey Montgomery, who is so good, and he's such a sponge. He's so young. He's a sponge. He's so technically gifted hmm. that I know that if I show him anything, in fact, I show him something, he will use it in his next match and he will use it better than I ever could. And uh. um, and then be like, oh, that was cool. But he's, because he's so young and so creative, he wants to do different things every match. He'll always be yeah. trying something different. So I'm like, well, you've done this one really cool thing this one time. I'm like, maybe it's okay for me to keep using, but you should definitely use it because that's it looks like the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always think don't worry too much about other people doing it. Just make sure that you do it better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? I don't think Randy Orton worries for a second about the amount of people that use RKO variations because he knows exactly. that his RKO is the best one out there. Yeah. So he'll keep doing it for that reason. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so it has been a big change and a big transition. And uh, as I mentioned to Eden, what I've really enjoyed watching is the fact that you've gone from you know your one book in a month maybe to – two or three a week 
and you, yeah. you've, you remember you said to me the other day, you said we're we're booked up weekend wise until September. Yeah. And I looked at that and I went, yeah, the the summertime's a quiet season here. Yeah. In the UK, everyone kind of resting wise just shuts down for the summer almost, unless you work in the camps. Yeah. But to have that kind of a, an order book, absolutely incredible. To, and like I mentioned Sweden as well, getting a book in one place is great. It's fantastic. It, it is what it is. But it's to repeat bookings that count. Yeah. When you get asked back, and or that booking leads to something else, that shows that it's working, and you've had exactly that. And every time you're doing a booking or a new company, it's opening up something else, and you're getting a booking for another one. Yeah, it's one of those things where, <clears throat> of course, I'm we're super grateful for people who invest in us, and we don't look gift horse in the mouth. We have so many repeat bookings, but what it means is there are so many repeat bookings that we have to. We're at the point where we're we're uh, turning down bookings a little bit in new places. Yeah. So, well, unfortunately, you know, we've we've booked up, but let us know what other dates you have here's our availability and like it's one of those things where i don't you know it comes across a bit a bit egotistical to be like oh well i have to turn down bookings but it's it's humbling as well to know there are so many people interested in you um because yeah you're right i've I've gone from a time where i'd wrestle three times a month if i'm lucky in the hearts and beds area to now i'm wrestling maybe 10 12 times a month across five states yeah um and it's it's absolutely crazy um, That's a hell of a jump. Yeah, like in August, we were wrestling in Arkansas for the first time. The first time, and I didn't realize there was wrestling in Arkansas. Isn't it, isn't it called Arkansas? Arkansas Lane. Um, <laughs> but I mean, even with that week, so so Steph, uh, so Eden made a uh, a contact with Jazz uh, a few weeks back, and Jazz was so impressed with that kind of grappling and British style that. Jazz said, "Hey, why don't you come down to Texas for a, for a week and train with me?" So, part of that Arkansas booking is we're then going to shift across to Texas, and you know, Eden's going to get some jazz training, and it's again bizarre. It, well, you, you couldn't have had any kind of opportunities like that in the UK. The best you can no. do is like, oh, there's there's some imports over, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go and do an hour before a Southside show today with the Colt Cabana. And then tomorrow I'm going to go up to Nottingham and I'm going to do a couple of hours with um, uh, Tatanka. You know? Exactly. And, and there's nothing else of that until maybe six months from now. Yeah. It's unbelievable the opportunity that's there. And, you know, having somebody, the level of jazz, who, let's be honest now, probably top five, if not more, female wrestlers of the last 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. To have an opportunity to train with her and learn from her and get guided by her, that's unbelievable. And, of course, that's going to open up so many other places and so many other opportunities. Every place is a door. And it's it's yeah. such a good opportunity for you two to, to get all this extra opportunity out there. I mean, like, Texas is one of those places as well. So we, we really want to wrestle in Texas because we want to wrestle everywhere, Texas of course. Texas is indeed a place, yes. But Texas, Texas is ridiculously big. You know, to the point yeah. where we were like, okay, we can cross, we can cross three states in f- in yeah. in five hours, but you can't get from north to south in Texas in five hours. Isn't it like an entire day to go from one side of Texas to the other? No, so it's it's a day to go from east to west coast. It's like a twenty three yeah. hour drive. Um, yeah, but I mean, Texas is like a seven hour drive from north to south. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, we'll look at Texas and like we'd love to wrestle in Texas. And then we slowly realized, ah, we actually need to look at this specific county in Texas because <laughs> yeah. there's nothing for another hour and a half, two hour drive. So yeah. absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's a very, very different setup, but um, it's just so good because I think, you know, this is, 
you know, me being old, I remember the territory days. Mm. But you, you know, what you did as a job in Texas was completely different to what you did as a job in Memphis, which was exactly. completely different to New York and was a world away from what you did in, in on the West Coast. Yeah. But you're getting a chance to, to get that because even though wrestling is not as diverse in terms of styles as it used to be, there's still that difference and diversity of styles and crowds. And you're getting a chance to really spread out now and learn all these different things. And I think you're going to develop character-wise so much over the next six oh, yeah. months. It's going to be really good. That's just it. We've you know we've been here six months. We've been wrestling technically for like maybe three, four um, in that time, and you know I've already got a better idea of who I am and what I'm capable of now. Uh, that it does it does kind of astound me that you know if we're over, if we're back in the UK by Christmas, what I'll look like. You know if we're back in the UK in two years, what what things will look like. And you know there's a whole there's a whole thing about Matt Groening's idea of a character design is that every silhouette should be unique. Mm. Um, every character should be unique and that's kind of I'm wondering just how unique will look because at the moment you know we've got this kind of unique uniqueness within well we came in with this uniqueness of oh we're we're British yeah. um, <laughs> we fly back to the UK and that sheen's gone you know everyone's British um, so maybe we'll be American um, but that's the whole point of finding who you are and finding absolutely you know it's all it's all uh, pieces of the puzzle and yeah. layers to the cake you know but i think by that point you know when you've say you've you've worked a texas crowd you've worked a chicago crowd you've worked mm. an alabama crowd you've worked an arkansas crowd your crowd manipulation and work is going to change so much you're going to learn to listen to them even more exactly but by the time you come back here and you're doing a very crowd based um style you're going to be worlds apart from where you were before yeah i'm not paying you extra I'm not paying your import fees, but still, wait, you'll be a lot better. Wait, we're getting paid. <laughs> yeah, what's this pay thing you're talking yeah. about? So I just want to jump back for a second because there's another yeah. point I wanted to cover over. Um, when you had to run as British champion for UBW, yes, uh, and of course you had a good run because you you beat Tommy Kyle, who's just a he sucks. Level of <laughs> he's yeah, he's, well he does because he lost to you. Um, you know, he's just what a loser. Yeah. <laughs> what a true. loser. But yeah, you but you had uh, great matches from there onwards with with Calvay, um, with Percy. Uh, who else was it you defended against? So I think I only ended up having a couple of defenses. I had another match with with Tom, um, who even at the time was good. You know, he's another one who I'm interested to see what the, what the hell he's going to bring to the table when wrestling's mm. alive again. Uh, I wrestled, yes, I wrestled Tom. I wrestled Calvay. I wrestled. Percy, uh, I wrestled. We, we did a tag match against um, uh, Memes and Crowley. Yep. And we had, there was a couple of other shows we had lined up, but um, they ended up getting cancelled for whatever reason. There was supposed to be a few defenses. Um, you know, someone I've never faced who I was supposed to defend against was, uh, was Spike Valentine. Um, yes. He's someone who, he, he's someone who hopefully listens to this and understands what I mean. He's someone who is, He's very much big fish, small pond at the moment where he needs to be seen by more people because he's very, very good. He's also the UBW champion now, so he's very, very good. But I, he needs to be out there more. He needs to be... Yeah. Because he's he's so good. Um, you know, he was someone I wanted to face. And at the time, I, was, uh, I think I was supposed to defend against... Um, 
Truman Roswell as well. That was supposed to be something that happened and never did. Uh, again, someone who have never faced one-on-one. Um, so, I mean, that's the thing. It says there's still, within UBW, there's still a bunch of, for all I've done, a bunch of matches that I'd love to have. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But when you were a champion, did you feel uh, an extra pressure on you? Because I always got the feeling that you took it extremely seriously that you were representing a company. And a lot of people, me included, when I've been a champion of somewhere, you feel an extra pressure on you. Did you feel that? And do you feel that that affected you at all? So, um, yes and no. Um, no in terms of uh, on show days. Um, I kind of made sure that I, whoever I was resting, I didn't want them to feel like there was any kind of pressure or nerves. I wanted them to make sure that, you know, business as usual for them. Because um, like you said, a lot of my thing was I'd be, I'd be in there with guys that were hungry for the next step. And I kind of didn't want them to, to let the nerves get to them. Um, but there was, you know, there were points in, in training where I'm like, well, I need to be training the hardest because I'm, I'm at the same training school as guys like Tom, the guys like Truman, um, who are, who came into tra- training better athletes than I was at the time. Um, so yeah. it was, it was that thing of like, I just need to be, I just need to be the best in and out of the, I should be the best in and out of the ring um, and work for that. And, you know, may, maybe in the ring again, I, I'm, I'm maybe not the, the most crisp wrestler there ever has been, but I was like determined to make sure that I could, that I could show everyone I, I kind of should be the champion. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. You did do that. And, and lots of people, when they actually reach that goal, they get to the, uh, the top of Everest, if you will, they take their foot off the gas. Mm. And, I, and uh, I won't name names, but another person in UBW that was a champion said to me afterwards, I didn't make the most out of that. Because mm. as soon as I got it, I took my foot off the gas. I didn't make the most out of that time. I said, well, no, now you've got to work back to it. But you did the opposite, that you were at training. You then started working even harder. You started leading training, leading drills. Uh, I'll be the one that takes the bumps. And it was a refreshing thing because it's so rare that people do that. But you tried very hard to lead by example. Yeah, I wish I didn't. Now my body sucks. (laughs) Yeah, I I hear that. Um, (laughs) But you did. And that was something that always stuck with me. And that was like, no matter what was going on, no matter what, anything else that was going on with you, uh, personal or otherwise, I always wanted to make you help you out in terms of working through it and get you back on track because you always had the right attitude and the right determination. Mm. Uh, every now and then you needed to refocus, but you always had it and you had it in places that people didn't normally. And, mm. and that kind of stuff always resonated with me. Appreciate that. Right. Okay. So look, we're at the 50 minute mark. And as I mentioned to Eden, I've, I've got some feedback that, I love your podcast, Paul. This is from other people. But God, you go on for a long while. <laughs> so I'm trying to limit them to an hour now, but we'll get into the final stretches of this. So um, it, it's it's been really fun, the journey that we had in UBW, because taking you from this guy who I really I didn't rate and I felt like you were, I don't know, this guy's a little bit too in-jokey for me, mm. to, okay, this guy's good at what he does, to this is my guy. And then from there onwards, and you're always making sure that I kind of try to factor you in and give you as much as possible. It was a very interesting curve and journey, which you don't get with a lot of people. But beyond that, on a personal level, you've been a joy to to have as a friend because we've been most friends of the time. most I of imagine. the time. Yeah, <laughs> but even even then, yeah. um, 
but you've been a joy to have as a friend outside of being someone that's working with me in wrestling. Even if we're talking about wrestling, we, we talk about it differently. Mm. Um, but you've been a great person to have as a friend as well, and it's been very enjoyable to see you grow and to see you get to where you are now. And realistically, your journey's just beginning in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, and I'm really excited. I mean, I didn't pay a lot of attention to the American scene over the past five, ten years. Now I'm watching it every day and looking at what's going on <laughs> just to see what you two are doing because I'm excited to see what's next. So, okay. you know, be proud of what you've done thus far and give yourself credit on on the impact you've had and what you've done and what you've achieved because it has been a lot. For sure. So into the personal bits. Yeah. Uh, what size shoe are you? No, um, I, <laughs> I do this with uh, everybody is a little personal bit at the end of the podcast. So... Of all the matches that you've been involved in and all the years you've been watching it, I know you've watched stuff much like me going back to the early mm. 80s up until now. You've watched some of the more obscure things as well like I have. What's been the favourite match you've ever watched, never engaged with, never enjoyed? And then what's the favourite match you've ever been a part of? Okay. So I've probably got a couple because a few things have resonated with me differently over time. So I was, you know, I fell out of love with wrestling before I was a wrestler, um, when I was, you know, when I was in my late teens, early twenties, whatever, like, uh, and it was the Money in the Bank uh, 2011 CM Punk John Cena match because when I was an edgy teenager, surprise, surprise, I, I loved CM Punk and Ring of Honor. Uh, sue me, um, but even back then, so when I was a teenager, uh, one of my favorite matches then was um, it was um, Aries versus Danielson, two out of three falls. Um, just because, you know, again, that's the kind of wrestling I loved. Um, but more recently, you know, um, <laughs> I find there was a, this is going to, this is going to go off everyone's radar, but there was a match uh, for new South pro wrestling. It was a, uh, the, the only buried alive match I've ever seen on the Indies. Uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, it, it was, we, I went into it expecting what you'd expect from a buried alive match on the Indies. And I left with a big smile on my face. Um, so that's that's one worth checking out if anyone ever gets a chance. How did they pull it off? Did they literally go out of the arena and dig up some some ground? Yes. So wow. there's there's like a giant mound of dirt with a you know with a six foot hole in it, and they uh <laughs> yeah. He, he, he I mean, all power him. to him for trying to recreate yeah. that on the independent scene and pulling it off. That's incredible. Yeah. Chucked him in there, started throwing mud over him. That was the match. Um, that wasn't the match. The match was was ridiculous. It was exactly what you'd hope for a very live match. So, yeah, check that out. Um, and the favorite match I've been a part of. I mean, like, there's been so many things, especially this year, that have like kind of given me different things. You know, so um, being uh, the first match I had in the US. Um, a lot of you might have seen a few weeks ago, there was a gif of a guy doing a backbreaker on AEW and it looked like um, his opponent kind of glitched out taking it. Mm. Um, so the guy giving the backbreaker, um, JP, Jason Page, was my first opponent in the US. Um, we we turned up um, five minutes before doors we were first on. He was like, hey, I need to leave in 20 minutes. So uh, yeah, I said, like, okay, cool. Well, I actually need to use the restroom because we've been driving for four hours. Uh, and we just went in there and everything clicked. We made magic. And for me, and you planned the match. Yeah, we did it all. He he was he was out of there at about four four twenty. Um door, you know, the match started at four o'clock. I got there at like three fifty five. Magic. Um he is 
he he is if by the time this podcast goes out if he's not signed he he will be signed somewhere he's ridiculous um but that first hurdle of okay i can do this again you know that was that was the point where i was like okay you know that's this um yeah. but previously it's going to be you know that that match with calvey back at that hardcore match that first singles because he's he's again someone that i want to see grow and develop and kind of having the chance to be in the ring with him and beat the tire out of him um <laughs> There's Not one take me- any more kendo stick shots from him, though. Well, the kendo stick wasn't the worst thing. There's one memory I have from that match, and it was um, it was a baking tray to the head that oh. sounded like a shotgun, yeah. uh, left ringing in my ears for five minutes, and left uh, white spots everywhere for a while. It's a baking tray, you know? People think baking yeah. trays aren't aren't that bad. They are pretty bad. Especially um, when he's swinging them. Yeah, he's 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 crazy. <laughs> he's crazy. One, one day I'll get him back. Actually, I got him back pretty, pretty soon after when I bought him back, so... I've had I've had too many concussions. Let's just let's just pretend I haven't had too many concussions, so <laughs> I, I can still get signed one day. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's uh, he's very excitable, bless him. But yes. uh, yeah, he's tremendous, tremendous talent. I mean, you say about the favorite match you've been in. The, the correct answer is when you tagged with me, but I'll let the other ones get in there as well. <laughs> that was that was fun. Uh, was obviously, fun. Uh, wrestling. Um, oh, and uh, p- people who I'd love to put over again would be would be Clarence, Sassy Bear, Clarence, Sledgehammer, Betts. Um, heart of gold, most attentive wrestler I've ever met in my life. He he wants to do he wants to do everything the right way. Great, yeah. and obviously Robbie Boy. So those two two of the good boys. Yeah, it's it's something I, as you know yourself, it's something I've tried really hard to foster in UBW since day one of having a good locker room and teaching people good values and having them just be good people. Mm. Um. And I think it shows of a lot of the people that we've had that they've either had their head screwed on well, or they've just been good people. It's it's yeah. it's nice. It's a good uh, validation for sure. Right. Okay. So we're going to do the uh, the desert island. All right. Bit for you as well. You got to take to this desert island. You're going to be stranded there forever. You got to okay. take with you either one TV series or movie. Okay. You got to take one album. Yeah. And one object, and that object cannot be a living thing. Okay. Um, so I would the movie or TV show I take would be it would probably be has to be something that never ends, that keeps going. So I'm going to guess this. I'm going to go with the Simpsons because if I take the Simpsons with me, there'll be there'll be new Simpsons for the next fifty years. You know, it's fine. Yeah. I can watch that. Um, but also a serious answer would be um, the Kill Bill two-part series is probably my favourite film. It's, it's one film. It's a five-hour director's cut film. I'm, I'm going on technicalities here. Um, album. Um, do you know what I say? It's not my favourite album of all time, but the album that I think I'd take with me because it'd be the most musically interesting would be uh, Moving Pictures by Rush because it's one of those albums where I never listened to it all the way through, but I can listen to any song on that album out of context, and I love it because I'm a I'm a nerd from the '70s apparently who loves Rush. Um, and as for any object, I'm thinking it, if it's a desert island, it would have to be like some kind of yoga mat because I need to stretch to live my life now. Um, just every day is constant suffering and pain. It's very true. So <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to be like Anakin Skywalker and get sand all up in my business. 
A yoga mat's a very sensible and functional uh, and you, solution. And you can sleep on it. Yeah, yeah, that's good, yeah. yeah. I mean, Crowley chose uh, a Game Boy and Pokemon, I think. Okay. To which I was like, yeah, that's going to give you, like, what, five hours? Well done. Yeah, he didn't bring but, batteries either, so, you know. No, it's Crowley, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. He leaves Bless it all him. in the top hat. Bless him. Well, look, mate, this has been fantastic. Thank you for this. It's been a good little trip down memory lane. And, Thank you. Uh, Talking about your future and everything, I'm I'm really stoked to see what's going to happen next with yourself and Eden. What your journey is going to be? Um, it's amazing how much ground you've made so quickly, and how many contacts yeah, and achievements you've done. And realistically, you've just started off. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to, so, have to be a part two of this, like very, probably very yeah. soon, judging by the uh, trajectory we've got at the moment. Yeah. Well, my hope is like end of the year, once we've got the the summer done and you've got your summer adventures to go on. We'll look towards something in the last quarter and see, like, uh, you know. So, how is it now working in New Japan? You know, it'd be, uh, be a good chat. Yeah. I'll do the whole whole interview in, in Japanese. Yeah, absolutely. Crowley can understand, and that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Well, thanks, mate. This has been a really good, enjoyable uh, a couple of hours. Um, Pleasure. Thank you for your time. I'm going to get this uh, post processed, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up again soon. But uh, what have you got on this weekend? Uh, so this weekend is just just the one, uh, which is uh, XBW in Franklin, Ohio. Um, thankfully, it's just the one. Like I said, last weekend we did 25 hours of driving total. So this is the the breath of fresh air we need. Yeah. And also, uh, where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, at Sid Von England, S-I-D-V-O-N-E-N-G-E-L-A-N-D. This will be in the description, I'm sure. You know what you're doing. You will, yeah. So... And you're on Facebook, Twitter, MySpace. Yeah, on Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, LinkedIn, Bebo. Bebo, of um, course. You, you name it, you'll find me. 4chan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, perfect. Thanks again, mate. This has been great. I'm going to get this all sorted out. But, uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend. Good luck with uh, the shows. Thank you. And uh, speak soon. Have a good one. All the best. Yeah, mate. Bye-bye.